Hello. Welcome to today's show. This is David Scales, your host of Surf Splendor, your favorite, uh, perhaps your only surf-related podcast uh, that is available on the World Wide Web. So thank you for tuning in. And um, not a whole lot of business to conduct in this intro portion of the show. Last week's episode was with Gary Linden, the founder of the Big Wave World Tour. That actually coincided, that interview coincided with them, the ASP, the Big Wave World Tour running the Punta Galea event, which Nick Lamb won. So congratulations on that, uh, Nick Lamb and Gary Linden. But go back, listen to that episode. That's the reason why I bring it up. Gary Linden's a cool dude, board builder, uh, great surfer in his own right. So check that out. And then next week, the week of Christmas, I've got an episode for you with Cassia Mador which is the female longboarding impresario. She competed for a while. I think she placed second was her best result on the women's world tour, longboard world tour, but really best known as kind of the face of Roxy and just incredible style icon of women's surfing. So that was a really rad conversation um, that I was able to have with Cassia. So look forward to that next week, Christmas week. And then of course, as I always say, just enjoyed the show, share it with friends, continue kind of this conversation that Scott and I have in this episode. You can continue it with us on social media, surfsplendorpodcast.com as well. Our website has a comment section for each show. So share your thoughts. If you disagree or agree with anything that we talk about here, you're not confined to your own car right now, listening to this and absorbing whatever we say. You have a right to share your opinion, and you can do it publicly on our website or, again, Instagram at Surf Splendor or um, Facebook as well. I know some people disagreed with my opinion that it was a horrible call to call off the Pipe Masters after round two the other day when the conditions turned on, but we get into that in the show in depth. So without further ado, enjoy today's show, and I will be back at the end to sign us off. Thanks. We're recording, and now it's live. You can cut it if you want. No, yeah, God. If okay. we're recording, let's start the show. So uh, welcome, everybody. Down the line, Surf Talk Radio. It's December 17th. It's a Wednesday. And David Lee Scales and Scott Bass here with you. And we're talking all things surf, all things surf world, all things surf were related. Broadcasting live from the Surfing Heritage and Culture Center, where I was set up with my computer, and I just hear whispers down the hallway. Scott Bass is in the building. Oh, did you see him? He's coming up right now. I'm like, oh yeah, Bassy's here. <laughs> no way. Just, was that real? Did that really go down? Where people, you're just no, pulling my leg. I'm just trying to make you feel good about yourself. Oh god. Dude. Well, you should have should have kept the uh, fantasy going there. You know. Did it feel good for a second? <laughs> it did. It did. It felt like I was either in trouble or needed. But yeah. Awesome. Well, welcome, Scott. We're in the midst of Pipe Masters, dude. Yeah, we are in the middle of it, and there's so much going on regarding Hawaii Cra- and the Pipe Masters. Crazy. But before we get into that, I'm going to actually uh, recover a, or just cover a couple of things from the last episode, if that's okay with you. Um, I got a message from a friend. I w- Apparently, in the last show, I used the phrase chomping at the bit to talk about being excited about something. Yeah. Got a message from him saying, no, it's actually champing at the bit c-h-a-m-p and so i'm like dude what are you talking about champing i I have no idea and i google it turns out that is correct it is champing at the bit 
Are you right. familiar with that? Yeah, I think it's a term, a horse racing term, sure. or just a horse riding general in general term. Yeah. Uh, I am familiar with it. I didn't know it was champing. Yeah. I, I always well, thought it was chomping. Well, that's my point. I had never heard champing. So this begs at the, the question, what is to champ? To chew on the bit that and, you're talking about. And then the what, horse is has a, what is to chomp? It's a similar thing, but there it's slightly yeah. different. Yeah. But the term comes from, like you said, the horse having a bit in his mouth and he champs on it. So He's eager. The horse yeah. is eager. I just thought that was interesting. A little tidbit that I didn't know that we could share with our fans, since you and I are a fan of, I think... Uh, Diction and grammar and yeah, alliteration. You wouldn't and, know it by the way I speak sometimes. But well, yes, I am actually a big fan. We're fans of it. We're just not good at it. <laughs> Here's the difference between David and Scott. Scott plays Boggle. David plays Scrabble. That's actually very true. Do you boggle, play Boggle? I do. I'm a Boggle guy. I, I and I heard somebody playing. say Boggle's a poor man's Scrabble. And I, I sort of see you as like oh, the, I see. the more, uh, you know, Thank you. higher makamaka of the show. <laughs> you're the guy that, you're I, the guy that uh, sips wow. wine and... Holy Tip, cow. Tips his finger back. and I did not know that was a compliment when you gave me the Boggle uh, Scrabble reference, I, but I, I take it. I appreciate I, it. That's I, really nice. Yeah, I, somebody somebody terrorized me for claiming Boggle. Like, oh, that's just poor man's Scrabble. Dude, I, I was unaware epic. of that. I don't know that they're... I, I mean, if you're playing Boggle, I, I think you're already putting yourself in a class above whatever the poor man is classified as. <laughs> oh you know what God. I mean? It's not like... I mean, oh, Boggle's, mid, still, mid, Boggles middle class. Uh, let's give it middle, upper middle, upper middle, upper class. middle. Yeah. But if you're in upper middle in Orange County, you're already upper, upper around the world. So, um, if you're playing word games, board games that yeah. involve words and diction and grammar and stuff, totally, you're, you're pretty. It's not, you know, what's that show with? What's that game with the um, with the little Minecrafts and the? Oh yeah, Battleship. Battleship. Yeah, yeah. we're not playing Battleship. Here. We're not. So here's an email I got that will fly in the face of the last three minutes of our show from T.O. Rasmussen said, I'm a big fan of the podcast, but there's always a but. I wish you guys would step it up. We're in the middle of the Triple Crown with the best pros in the world all congregated within seven miles of one another. And you guys opened the last two shows talking about Neil Young and whether or not you'd prefer to get eaten by a great white shark or a killer whale. During the last program, I was practically done with my workout by the time you guys got around to talking about the North Shore. And here we go again, opening up the show, Riff. That's riffing. funny, because and I actually have a Neil Young take, but let's save it for later for T.O. And we can get right into... Um, I think T.O.'s got a point. I do too. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. I, I sometimes question whether we should even do wrap-ups, uh, you know, based on what we, what we did two weeks ago. Like, Here's the reason why I was kind of promoting doing that or or just doing it was that let's uh loose ends well no there's a little bit of that but also let's kind of get people familiar with our personalities and just become a more familiar type show the more ingratiated we are feel like family the more engaged people will be and be inclined to become a part of the community the problem is if our if our personalities aren't entertaining enough to engage T.O. Rasmussen, then we're failing. We, we need are. to just provide him with surf content. For, for T.O.'s sake, why don't we get right into the whole... Uh, Pipe Masters. Yeah. So here's the deal. Pipe Masters started about a week ago. Leading into it, we have three world title contenders on the line. Gabriel Medina in the driver's seat. Mick Fanning in second. Kelly with an outside shot, but a mathematical chance. He's in third position. So a lot on the line. All Super three of excited. those guys got through and are in the round of three. Well, the round, round three. Here. Let's start off with the trials in round one before we jump the gun, I'd sure. say. And so that was the situation going into pipe. We're all waiting for swell. Day one of the pipe masters was 
you know, controversial going in because the way that they did it this year was slightly different. In the last three or four years, they allowed uh, 16 wildcard surfers into the actual event to kind of accommodate pipe specialists, which is unique because they don't do that in any other stop on tour. Although this is kind of everything in Hawaii is different. This is a special you know, a special wave that has a lot of importance in surfing. So that's why they allowed that to happen in the past. This year with the new ZOZ, they made some changes and said, let's do a trialist event with $100,000 on the line, open it up to 32 pipe specialist surfers, two of which will be allowed, the top two will be allowed into the main event. The problem was this trialist event took place on the first day of the waiting period of the actual Pipe Masters event. So that happened to be the best day of waves. Well, for part of it, uh, round one was actually pretty good too. But the first round of, or the first day of the waiting period went to this trialist event. What'd you think of the trials? I thought it was great. I I enjoyed the heck out of it. Did you? There was a lot of action. Um, I was a little disappointed in sort of the breakdown in conditions, you know, as the day went on. And um, very disappointed just from a purely selfish uh, standpoint that Jamie O'Brien didn't get into the main event. So the two people that made it were Reef McIntosh and Makai McNamara. Yeah, I agree with you. Jamie O'Brien, I would love to have seen. Do you want to see Makai McNamara surf in the World Tour event? Not really. And not that he doesn't have, you know, the ability to do it. But but we all know that Jamie O'Brien's a pipeline master. Like, he's won the event. He won it when he was, like, 18 or 19. He's won the trials before. He's won the Vulcan Pipe Pro. I mean, he there's no doubt that he's, you know, in the top five, if not the top two, mm-hmm. of guys that surf pipeline. And right. so um, when you have such a no-brainer, Right. like Jamie O'Brien, to not have him seated into the main event. It's sort of like, I don't know, it's just, there's a lot of things, it just seems wrong. I've always been a believer that if you win the event, you should be allowed into the event. In other words, kind of like the Masters, right, in the golf. And you and I have spoke about this, and I've spoken ad nauseum with Jeff Baldwin about this. And for years, ever since I've been doing the show, I've I've written articles about this. I believe that Rob Machado, who's won the event, I believe that Bruce Irons, who's won the event, I believe that Jamie O'Brien, who's won the event, I believe these guys should be automatic seeds into uh, round one. Well, then that would have to go for Whatever. the other care. events on tour as well. No, 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 that's not true. Why? Why? Just because we want to keep some consistency and continuity. And so, yeah, look, I, this, is a, this is the Pipeline Masters. Like, they don't do that at in golf at the Masters. They don't do that. Yeah. And they have their own special format. The master says, you know what? Screw it. We're doing it our way. You don't like it? You're out. And even the other four majors of golf each have their own way of qualifying. Right. I would wonder how many of those people past invites would actually show up for it. Well, that's fine. If they don't show up, they don't show up. No, but I, I do wonder that. Like, I'm sure Rob would show up. You know, well, Sonny Garcia would show up. The questionable one would be like Derek Ho. You know, these guys that are kind of at, you know, in their mid to late 40s right. that are like, yeah, I still surf there, but... Can I compete against 25-year-olds like John John Florence? You know, I don't Depending know. Depending on the conditions. But the thing yeah. is, is that that's up to them, you right. know? And you could even have a thing like they do at the Masters where, you know, the legendary guys like Arnold Palmer, um, they just go out and they, they just tee a ball up and they hit one shot off the tee box. Mm-hmm. And then that's it. You right. know, like they don't actually compete. You could maybe have a thing where, you know, you send four guys out, you know, like Derek Ho, and whoever else that doesn't really want to compete but wants to be acknowledged. And it's sort of a classy thing to do. And, um, I mean, there's a lot you could do. Yeah, Derek did compete in the Heritage Series, which we'll get to uh, later in the show. But 
in regard to the trial list event, I feel differently than you. I really did not enjoy it. I thought very few of those guys actually surfed as well as I would have expected them to. You're right, the conditions did deteriorate and made it very difficult, which is where you would expect them to actually do better than the CT guys. I think it's the other way around, but go ahead. You, oh, yeah, really? But, and what will prove out there is that that round, that day that they called the event, it was macking and they called it off. And who went out and sh stole the show? The pipe specialists. That's when they really shine, when it's gnarly and heavy and they know how to dodge the bombs. Right. And they do that all the time. You know, those, that's really where the pipe specialists shine. If it's blown out and fading in surf size, I think that's where, you know, B. Durbage is going to do better than the pipe specialist. Okay, well, to your point then, I felt like this trialist, uh, in this this uh, new experiment basically with doing this trialist event during the main pipe masters, diminished the experience of watching the pipe masters. I felt like they didn't really perform that well. And maybe you're right, Bede would have served better. Now I'm... I'm I've, uh, I'm committing all this time, eight hours to watch this event. And I'm just like, dude, these guys are blowing it and they're bogging and like Mason's burning whoever like for the heck of it because he knows he's not going to make it through this heat. And it was just like, dude, I, it diminished the grandness of the event, I felt. And you had higher expectations. They weren't completely. met. Completely. And the there were a couple of highlight moments. And I thought Reef McIntosh deserved to be there with the best of them. Makai McNamara, it's like, dude, Nothing against this kid. He's a cool kid, I'm sure, and he's he is surfing backdoor. But he he's gonna get smoked in the main event. And he did. He, like the kid got better waves at backdoor than I'll ever get in my life, so that was cool. But he doesn't surf like Jamie O'Brien surfs or Mason Ho surfs. And dude, you're wasting our time by allowing this stuff to happen. And it really I think it's a bad step for the ASP, you know, WSL, whatever you want to call it. They had to try to accommodate in some way and i understand that they're really just trying to find the right fit but i didn't think it was a good fit um how would you have felt if if it was jamie o'brien and reef mcintosh that made it through would you be i would have felt much better about that however i would have said what you just said which is just seed them into the event and let's start round one at the beginning of the day yeah. rather than wasting a day telling us what we already know and as you know you know the vulcan pipe pro used to be a seeding um a portion that's how they seated the, the main pipeline masters i right. think the winner immediately was put into the main event yeah and kelly won last year by the way the vulcan pipe pro yeah yeah and so here's another detail that i read in um surfing surfermag.com did a recap on the trialist event in round one and they said i assume this is fact if they're reporting it that the asp actually has security details staying with them at their house to prevent anything from happening like what happened in 2011 where you know the the local north shore guys invaded the billabong house and slapped around graham stapleberg and the other people yeah well that that sort of doesn't surprise me did um, you do you know anything about that i don't know i i don't I don't know if that's fact or fiction. I'm sure that's true, and it doesn't surprise me. And um, I think tensions are really a lot higher this year on the North Shore than they have been in the past, based mm -hmm. on what we just spoke about, um, the trials. You know, there's been some drama with Eddie Rothman. There's There's been some drama with Poncho Sullivan and, and the, the local community, I should say, with Poncho sort of leading the charge. What's the drama, uh, or what's the rumor? Well, it's not a rumor. Um, here, let me pull it up. Poncho Sullivan in the local community sued the ASP. Really? Yeah. North Just Sh recently? Yeah. 
What? Yeah, North Shore residents sue the ASP. I got this from beachgrit.com. So I'm going to read this. Former tour pro surfer Poncho Sullivan is part of a coalition of residents who have taken it upon themselves to get the ASP to conform to the letter of their permits, which requires four-man heats for all Hawaii events. And six weeks ago, this group took the ASP to court. And here's the regulation that the community says that ASP violated. This is coming from their permit, right? It says that except with special permission from the director, as noted on the permit, surf competitions may not be held for more than four days. And no heats shall be structured with less than four surfers. And man-on-man or one-on-one heats shall not be allowed, including the trials. Now, as you know, the first round of all ASP events are held with three guys in the water. Right. This is why they sued him. Right. There was three guys in the water, not four. Um, it goes on to say some other stuff. Basically, it gets down to, hey, um, further down the permit, it says any permittee who knowingly and willfully violates these rules, a.k.a. three guys in the water, or i.e. three guys in the water instead of four, uh, shall not be allowed to apply for another permit for a one-year period. So... What Poncho and those guys are saying is, hey, you violated it. That means you're, you won't be allowed to apply again next year for this permit. Wow. Once you're taken out of the sort of the, the queue, if you will, to apply for a permit in Hawaii, you're done. Like you're not going to be able to get a permit. Yeah. Even if you're not like grandfathered in. So if you're taking out of the docket, you're put in the back of the line, you, you know, you're looking at 20 years before your number comes up. So um, how this all played out is the ASP basically kind of, um, according to Poncho, and I'll just, I'll read what Poncho said here. So did Poncho actually write the article for Beach Grit? Or no. was it an interview with Poncho? No, or was- uh, they did interview Poncho for the article. It was written by one of the Beach Grit. But it was his words. Yeah, and here's here's a quote from Poncho. Got it. The court case was to ensure that the rules are upheld to get a temporary restraining order or injunction against the pipeline masters, says Poncho. That wasn't the desired outcome, but we were hoping that the ASP would adjust the format to make it work with a four-man priority system. They came in with economic statements they had in, from some kid at NYU. Come, he came in waving around all sorts of money that they generate. And I guess this is their way of saying, hey, we don't have to abide by or adhere to the rules. Now, Poncho emphasizes that they weren't trying to shut down the event, but they did want an unambiguous ruling that states you cannot knowingly break rules designed to protect local residents. We wanted the Triple Crown, the ASP, to recognize that this is a community and it's questionable how how much money stays on the North Shore. Most of the team houses are owned by people who don't live on the North Shore, and most of the winnings go back to other parts of the world. So... There you have it. So I agree with Poncho. This all happened about a week before Poncho paddled out in his heat. Right. Here's what's rad about this is that in the past when the North Shore enforcers, quote unquote, have a problem with the way that the ASP is doing things there, they result to head slaps, as we experienced with the 2011 example at the Billabong House. So I like that Poncho's taking a more professional approach, you know, and I'm not huge into, you know, suing people but this doesn't seem frivolous this seems like look this is how the asp wants to fight we'll fight them at their own game and they have a legitimate grievance if the asp did sign that contract originally or that permit that stated those things then they need to play by it you can't just go in willy-nilly and then get pissed when you get the head slap when someone else is playing I think, outside the line i think what happened is as you recall maybe four months ago during the summer late summer um 
Marty Thomas and, and Vans and the ASP, they, they kind of had like a backroom meeting with some city council people. And they basically said, look, here's what we're going to do. We're going to set up a trials event. We're going to give the locals a bunch of money. You know, there's going to be, right. uh, there is going to be one round where there's three guys in the water or probably two rounds, right? Because round five is like that too, right? Right. So round um, four. Round four. So I'm assuming that they said, hey, look, since we're doing the right thing here, can you, you know, kind of overlook these two rounds that we're doing? And again, I'm assuming a lot here. I, I'm assuming that during that meeting in the summer, this was discussed and talked about, and the ASP left that meeting going, okay, we're good. Right. Uh, even though the wording in our contract in our permit says otherwise. And Poncho and the community, it's really the North Shore community. It's not just like Poncho leading this one-man band. He, he's got a whole crew of, of people. They're basically saying, "Hey, look, you know, the permit is the permit. Right. You know, how can you, you know, basically, we could definitely win in, in, uh, you know, legally just by looking at the wording of the permit. You know, the right. contract is the contract, right? And you violated it. Interesting. Yeah. Well, we should also point out that the format for the pipe masters, the way that they run rounds, is different because they've tried to abide by that permit in the past. Meaning round yeah. round two, when it's normally two-man heats, two surfers surf for 30 minutes, Kelly Slater invented a format a couple of years ago, which they now employ, which is overlapping heats. So even though there's only two surfers surfing against one another, there's an overlapping heat running. So during a 30-minute period, there's always four people in the water. And that was, you know, quite frankly... Um, you know, you would think that that was created so that there would be more interaction for the fans, for you and I, which there are. But I'm um, under the my gut feeling is, is that a majority of the reason that format format was created and implemented was to adhere to these permits. My understanding was that's exactly why. it yeah, was created. exactly. Yeah. yeah. Which I but like. They kind of spin it like, hey, more surfing action for you, the fans, well, which is true. It's and an I'm ancillary down. I'm benefit. I'm totally like, down. I like it. Yeah. It's a better format. Me too. Fewer waves go unridden. Yeah. You know, it's awesome. Um, wow, that's that's great stuff. I'm glad that you found that. I didn't know about that. How did you feel about Bruce Irons took to Instagram about not getting an invite into the trialist event? He said, quote, on his Instagram, which he later deleted, he said, today is one of the lowest days of my surfing career because Billabong told me there is no room for me in their contest, which is in memory of my brother who is on every poster and every t-shirt and hat and every banner for this contest. There was 28 people in the trials, but for some reason there was no room for me. Today, I lost all respect for Billabong, and I guarantee you my brother would be very disappointed in the decision Billabong has made, especially how much money they've made off my brother or how much money my brother brought in for this company along with three world titles. The least they could do is put me in the event as long as it's called the Pipe Masters in loving memory of Andy Irons. Yeah, that was interesting. And I think the key thing there was at the beginning when you said he deleted it. And I think what happened is um, initially he was butthurt, you know, and he's like, what's up? I can't believe I'm not in it. I'm Bruce Irons and blah, blah, blah. You know, um, certainly uh, Andy Irons was well compensated when he was alive and surfing for Billabong, making a lot of money. Uh, I think my gut feeling is what happened is that somebody got a hold of Bruce and went, hey, I know that your ego is a little bit hurt right here, that you weren't involved, you know, or you didn't get a place in the trials or whatever. But guess what? They're taking care of Andy's wife, Lindy. They're taking care of the kid, Axel. Um, she's a part of the marketing of the Pipeline Masters. She's like inviting you into the Billabong house. So here's the deal, Bruce. They're getting taken care of. Don't ruin it. You know, like they're doing the right thing. You know, whether or not you made it into the trials, I don't understand why he wasn't in the trials. It probably has to do with the trial seatings goes back to the, um, is it uh, Hassa, the Hawaiian 
Association of Surfing Professionals okay. that set up the seating for the trials, you know, and they have like a series and however they do it, I don't know exactly how they come up with the with the trials or who gets in the trials, but certainly Bruce Irons, it seems to me, didn't go through the hoops or didn't jump the hoops and just expected an invite. You would think no matter what the hoops are, he would get an invite. You He's, would think, but you yeah. got to understand there's probably 50 Hawaiian guys going, hey man, I did all of the events. I went down to Bowls in the summer and I did the lame event at Koala Basin or the good event at Koala. What I, you know, I did everything. How, sure. come, how come you're just letting Bruce slide into my spot? I did all the stuff I'm supposed to. So, you know what I mean? You kind of got to play the game. Yeah. I would, agree, I would agree with you that it seems uh, odd that he's just not another one of those guys that's invited into the main event. Not to, you know, just on his pure, on his prowess and the fact that he's won the event, as we mentioned earlier, but also then, of course, because of his connection with Andy. See, um, I, I, I don't think that, I like, I think if you had to pick five or six guys who should be invited, regardless of what any standings are, Bruce would be almost one of those five guys on anybody's list. I don't think that there's a reason for Billabong nor the ASP to conspire against Bruce. I think that his actions probably got him into the position that he's in. This is all speculation, but I just think that the the ASP and Billabong would hugely benefit from Bruce's inclusion into the event in a way that you would normally have to pay huge endorsement royalties to somebody to benefit from their presence at your event. He's been given chances in the past at Pipe, at Chopu. We've seen him at Karamas, I think, last year. And he's failed miserably in contests. I mean, he doesn't put together a 10-point heat total at any of those events and oftentimes loses with ones and twos. Didn't he the do room- good in Indo, though? Didn't Rip Curl have some event this year in Indo? Oh, and he no. Did- no. Not this event. The, no. the Karamas event, he lost round one. Well, I thought there was one at, like, Padang or something. That was years ago. No, he- but just recently, I thought he... Okay, maybe I'm mistaken. No. Go he ahead. He did well at Padang years yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah, I remember, yeah. But... The rumor is that he's incredibly difficult to work with. Well, there's no doubt that that's the case. And he doesn't follow through with commitments. Yeah. Case in point, Billabong, who you would think would be his lifetime sponsor, dropped him last year. There is. Oh, you mean Volcom? I'm sorry, Volcom. Yeah. Uh, Totally my mistake. Volcom dropped him last year. Yeah. He had head to head disputes with Kyborg, who's running the Volcom house, who is supposed to be your big brother, you know? And um, I mean, I know photographers who are supposed to do shoots with him where he comes to town and just doesn't return phone calls. Simple as that. He's burned pretty much every bridge of people that we know in the surf industry. And I think that this is just a reflection of that more than it is anything else. Well, I agree. And I also think that that Billabong would have been stoked to have him, but they went, here's the deal. You know, we've got our ASP World Tour surfers, and then there's this thing called the trials. And so go do the trials. You know, like we didn't give a spot to anybody. Right. Except for the trials winners, the two guys. That's right. it. You know, like that's how we worked it out. So we wish you the best. We hope you, it'll do us, a, it'll be a benefit to us if you win the trials. It could have been something as simple as an email and phone calls go out to the trialists and you have to reply by this date. And Bruce doesn't reply by that date. And, and he then, sits on his hands and hopes that, oh, dude, I'm Bruce Irons. This and, is my brother's event. Yeah. I'm, I'm, of course, I'm, they're going to, everyone's giving me, a, I mean, I'm And in. then shows up the day of the event going, hey, where's my jersey? Or exactly. I mean, it could, the way that I understand Bruce's workings is it could have been as simple as that. Yeah. You know? So. Um, well, like I said, the important thing there was that it was deleted, right? So somebody shook him and kind of went, right. dude, you're blowing it. Sure. You know what? You, this, you know. You dropped the ball here. Right. 
at which point it had already been posted on tracks mag and a bunch of other websites yeah well you know? and i posted it on facebook and it got tons of traction yeah like people were like oh, i can't believe billabong blah 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 bruce is the man but you know and, and it's kind of like you know what at some point you know you just wear out your welcome i've said it we've said it on the show for the last year and a half i want to see bruce surf pipeline the way that i know he could surf pipeline more than anybody i love it when he's on on his game but he's just not that guy anymore that's a that's a a past bruce you it know? is it is so unfortunate but true so then we rolled into round one the following day they actually did the trialist event all the way up until the final because the surf deteriorated in the semifinal heats so they put off the final heat because of the conditions and they ended up running it the following morning where we saw well overhead surf it was really more of a backdoor day than it was a pipeline day there was good waves at pipe but the best waves were at backdoor um and then we roll and then of course reef mcintosh makai mcnamara won that got seated right into round one and uh what'd you think of the round one event um round one was sort of uh, uh as i recall it was sort of underwhelming wasn't it it was there kind was, of like mixed up and it wasn't the best swell direction and but there was incredible well early on right because um who was it that got the great back doorway of the be- 10 or be- before the event john john got a nuts one that they showed on the morning show. The highlights of the event were John John, Owen Wright, Mick Fanning, Parco, and then of course Adam Melling dethroning. Oh, Kelly that's Slater. right. Yeah, yeah. What date was that? I must have been surfing that day. I've been surfing a lot. Oh wow. Yeah. Good Waves for you. Been good. Good for you. You so, got your back problems sorted out? No, then? no, my back's still tweaked. But, oh, okay. But I'm thinking about Joel Santillo's wave in the trials. That's oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, that was um, the ten. I missed like the Kelly Heat. I missed all that. I did catch it on Heat Analyzer. Okay. I watched Heat Analyzer. So the the kind of short version the highlight of the round was that kelly slater was sir kelly slater has to basically win the event if he wants to have a chance at the world title that won't win him the world title because gabriel has to lose before or before round four so he has to lose in round three basically in order for kelly to still win but this was an important heat it was kelly versus dusty Payne and adam melling Kelly put together a couple of like eights. Scores, yeah, yeah, like an eight and a nine. 16, 17, 17 point yeah. total. Dusty was still had potential. Like he had a big score and needed a second big score. Melling was just nowhere to be seen all the way until the last two minutes. Melling got out of a combo situation and literally in the dying seconds, the biggest wave of the heat came to him and he performed. He got like a nine five or whatever and jumped from third to first, taking out Kelly. Kelly's relegated to round two. It was incredible. Yeah, good um, stuff for sure. And um, you got to feel like it sort of deflated Kelly a little bit. And it, I mean, and and I don't want to jump jump the gun here with your format, but um, you know that sort of just I just want to segue right into his round two heat, which yeah, is just insane. Same, you know, yeah. so feel free. I mean, I think that the announcer said it best. You know, he made that late drop on either his first or second wave. And, and you just, because it was a slow heat. I think maybe eight or nine minutes had gone by and he wasn't catching waves. He, he had was, like a 3.1 or something. He was surfing against Reef McIntosh. The waves were um, stormy, kind of victory at sea type of conditions, but big. And you and you did sort of sense it. And Martin Potter, I think it was, really nailed it. That he was just, he was sort of um, not into it, you know? And yeah. then all he of a sudden- He didn't want to paddle out. When they were- deciding what he was in the uh, first heat of round two and they were deciding whether or not to run the comp kelly was vocal saying do not run the comp i don't want to go out there my world title's on the line i don't want to be the guinea pig in round one and then you call it off in round three right well um 
so so I guess you know eight nine minutes into it he doesn't have a score and he's looking uninspired and one big bomb left comes and he makes this crazy late drop and his board looked too wide to me but he pulled it off and and at that moment you sort of sense that he was like all right you know this got me excited again and he just absolutely tore the bag out of the rest of the heat with that incredible behind the chandelier drive through the foam ball yeah. left that was just insane that and that just and then you know he finished it with that big roundhouse cut back and Joel Parkinson said it's the best cutback he's ever seen in his life yeah it's just that's that's so cool that parker said that and it was just and then i think he did a little bunny hop too after that chop hop yeah, yeah. whatever so didn't stomp it but uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, so but, Kelly, but Kelly, that was exciting like that got i think the whole world into the pipe masters like well, that he kind of just like went it's on he's into it let's go you know and everyone's frothing you know that that kind of arc story arc of that 30 minute heat that you just kind of drew was super exciting because it was exactly what you said. He's surfing against Reef McIntosh, who's as qualified as anybody in those conditions. Reef got like a six. Kelly had a couple twos and threes, but Kelly was charging, but he was getting smashed. Like he got five or six waves that he got smashed on. And then midway through the heat, he made that drop. And that wave, as he's paddling into it, it jacks. Like it hits a little out, like a backwash or something and like jacks up as he's standing which makes him kind of go weightless for a second stomps the drop and then pulls in and it closes out but even just stomping that drop is what you said where it looked like a turning point where he just went oh now i get it i can do this i made the unmakeable and within two or three minutes he then bags an eight and then he gets the one that you said which is like an insane one that looks like it's going to chandelier and close out and he just punches through the thing and does the cutback and it's like oh my god superman has shown up once again and it's green light till the end of the event he's going to take this thing yeah we've seen it a bunch of times before and now we're witnessing it once again that's what it felt like and that sort of takes us through to you know what happened the rest of the day which is really in my mind um another turning point you know so to speak which is you know the ASP and Karen Pro putting the event on hold as the massive, massive, huge third reefers were washing through and the wind got really bad and it was hideous, but they ran heats for, you know, a good hour as it was getting worse and worse, especially the wind. The waves were gross and there was wash throughs and there was low scores and guys were getting through heats with like, you know, a six point total. And, and, you know, it was what it was. And it's one of those things where if they would have, put the event on standby an hour earlier and then reconvened at say whatever time, you know, 11 o'clock or uh, one o'clock well, their time, whatever yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. No, it's like- um, I think they would have said, gosh, we got through the worst of it. Now let's restart. Cause yeah, it's bombing and it's gnarly, but guys are going to be getting tens or whatever. Instead, they sort of did it backwards. You know, they, yeah, they, they, they went through the crap. They competed through the crappy conditions and then called it off or put it on standby. And then, you know, within an hour, uh, they they called it off, but guys were getting insane ones, uh, free surf guys, the pipe specialists. And, um, you know, I here's the thing. I, I kind of feel like, first of all, I feel like it was a horrible decision. Now, it's to easy. To call off the... Yeah. Even as, I don't know if you watch it, but I was watching it. I think I was texting you. Yeah. Even as the, the guy on the beach, the, the PA announcer was going, you know what, folks, we're going to call it off for the day. A guy literally got an insane barrel spit out of the tube and the scream and, and, and the excitement from the crowd drowned out the yeah. PA announcer. Yep. Literally, like, as he's telling you we're calling it off, guys getting spit out in the crowd screaming. Right. I mean, that's an omen. 
you right. know, and and they pulled the plug on it. And I'm willing to sit through some slow heats. I think that that's where you separate the men from the boys. I agree. I'm okay with some heats where, you know, whoever you got like, um, you know, some mid-tier WT uh, World Tour guys that are getting no ways because they just don't know how to surf the spot. But yeah. guess who's going to go out there and kill it? Mick Fanning, Kelly Slater, Joel Parkinson, probably Gabe. All of these guys that, you know, Kai, the Kai Ottens, the real hardcore charger guys right. are going to go out there and, and get some waves and you're going to see some incredible rides. And I just feel like, and you know, I, I posted that this feels like the ghost of huge cloud break past is haunting the ASP. This was a, a decision that was not quite as bad as the cloud break decision, but a horrible decision. We're sitting there on film, on screen, I mean, watching guys get good waves and they're calling off the event. And it just seems like... You, you would have thought that they would have learned. Again, I know it's easy to sit here in hindsight and make this and have this opinion, but it, it's I not was even watching hindsight. It, I was yeah, watching we, it live and I was going, they got to hold this thing. It's it's macking. It's killer. I, There's going to be sick ones. I was freaking out, dude. I could not understand why they called it off because why why not just keep it on hold? They put it on hold at noon about noon twelve thirty until one or one thirty. They checked like every twenty. 15, 20 minutes, they'd update it and be like, oh, we're going to go on hold for another 20 minutes. And then at two o'clock, they called it off completely, said we're done for the day. By 2.30, it was 10 to 12 feet offshore, perfect barreling all the way until sunset. So why would you have waited, waited, postpone, postpone, and then call it off? Why not just postpone until sunset and when it, there's swell in the water and, and here, the potential? I agree. And, and, and even more frustrating is that guys... Everybody that knows that spot that lives there, even Kieran Perot knows this, is that pipe is always at its best in the afternoon. Right. Like from two to sunset is when it's magical. Right. Because the wind does lighten up and things do mellow out. And it's usually those are the time you get those beautiful photos. And, uh, um, you know, it was just it was just upset. And, and you know, I don't know. It, it was just. Uh, well, back- there's some, there's some conspiracy theories out there. I'll tell you that. So back to Jamie O'Brien. While they were debating, or while the last heat was in the water of round two, Jamie O was on the beach with his pink soft top surfboard getting ready to paddle out. And he actually started paddling out before that last heat was out of the water. And I'm like, oh, that'll be interesting. Sure enough, within 10 minutes of that last heat getting out of the water, he's getting piped and spit out on a pink soft top, which just makes all of the C- all of the CT guys look like fools when yeah. Jamie can do it on the soft top. Yeah. And I mean, that wave on the soft top, they would have given a nine to in the yeah. event. Yeah. And so it's like, okay. And sure enough, other guys paddle out and it just turned on. And there's plenty of footage and photos. We'll post links to all of it. Surfing Mag, Tracks Mag, Surfline, all posted things. Um, so we'll post links on surfsplendorpodcast.com and downthelineradio.com. But I agree. Worst call ever. I, I was cringing. I, I just could not get over it. I remember it. texting you and going, they have to call this thing back on. It's firing out yeah. there. And then uh, you're right. I think about 150, they were going to do their last call around 150 their time. Right. And about 145, the gnarliest, biggest, most massive wash through set came through. And you know, they're all sitting there trying to make the decision. And this huge set came through that just just was unrideable, you know, whitewashed through the whole pipeline up. And I know that that's the heat where they went, you know what? We're pulling the plug. That's undoable. Right. And and it was unfortunate because I saw this and I went, oh, they can't let that dictate what's going to happen right. here, you know? And they did. Well, the reality is we're dealing with mother nature. It's always going to be, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, and like 
One heat's going to be on, one heat's going to be off. But when you have swell running and the forecast is so meager looking ahead, you got to pick the eyes out of it. And even if you only run three heats within a round, I'd rather see him run three heats in perfect or big, big hollow surf than what we may end up seeing at the end of the week, which is running a full round in crappy beach break surf. Exactly. Like no question about now, did it. Did they use an excuse that it was um, hazardous or is no? I, I heard hear something that. along the lines that they, you know that it was unsafe conditions or something like that. That can't be the that. case. Well, I mean, back, where's Fred Hemmings when you need him? Dead ahead, Fred. So I got a couple of questions for you about round two. Round two did run in marginal surf. The only nines we even saw were the Kelly's waves that we talked about. And then Jadson Andre got threaded yeah. the needle on this insane, warbly, crazy wave over foam balls, barely. I mean, it was just insane. Um, did you see Jadson's wave? I did, yeah. There's some uh, controversy that he was underscored a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was a 10. I yeah. mean, I it was one of those things where I'm watching the, the wave and I see it spit and he doesn't come out. And I'm like, oh, too bad. And then he came out after and I just audibly shouted like whoa how like, do you shout without being audible i said audibly shouted what does that mean audibly shouted like oh like made it out loud not well, that's like, what i mean you can't well, yeah, how do no. you shout inwardly? Well, in my head you know there's you lots have, of you it, have head shouts sometimes dude i'll be watching an event like in my head freaking out but i'm in my office and i don't want my bosses to know so. oh my god you're a little, no. little off kilter here this this was out loud like yeah. holy crap jadson and so i thought it was a 10 without a doubt and they gave him a nine, nine three okay uh, nine three seven i think it, if he wasn't brazilian would he have gotten a 10 yes he would have that was a full brazilian bias you think so i do and I'm okay because with it. Because <laughs> you're, you're biased against, so you thought it was a 9-3 yeah, as well? Yeah, I mean, I know. I, yeah, I think that was Brazilian bias. Um, you know what else is Brazilian bias? When a guy does a floater in, in Brazil and wins, you know, does wins. Who was that? The At, Adriano, dude. Yeah, who Adriano. else could it be? Adriano de Souza does a floater during Floatergate. That was like three years ago in Brazil beach yeah. break. And that's Brazilian bias too. So it works both ways. Against Owen Wright, who comboed a wave, did an air reverse and got a six. Yeah. yeah. And, Floatergate. And floater. And, I got a problem. D'Souza got a nine. So it's not just one-sided, this bias. Well, I got a... But this brings in conspiracy theories. Go ahead. Well, what's your what's the conspiracy theory? Well, there's some conspiracy theories on the internet. About? About the whole Gabe. Like, there's a reason that they didn't run the event because they want less benign, you know, more benign um, pipeline, more like, you know, ruler edge perfect pipe so that Gabe can well, do his thing. And they, ASP really wants Steph and Gabe to win the world titles this year. It's like the perfect scenario for the ASP going. Again, this isn't me talking, by the way. I want to put some quotes on this. This okay. is this is from the hater net, the internet, where there's conspiracy theories about everything. Let's role play. You play the hater net, I'll play devil's advocate. Okay. Okay. So here's here's my thing. The ASP called it for Medina's sake. There's no chance the ASP lets Gabby lose this world title. The perfect scenario for the ASP is uh, Steph and Gabby winning the titles. There's no chance the ASP lets Dusty win his heat coming up against Gabby. The ASP handed Gabby the title at the beginning of the year during the Quicksilver Pro final, final against Parco, the, the very first contest of the year. And oh, by the way, have we forgot about Mick Fanning versus Yaden Nickel last year at Pipe? Come on. The Gabby push will make that heat look like Yaden never even paddled out. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. 
Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInJobs.com surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Okay. This is assuming a couple of things. This would assume that eight to 10 or eight to 12 foot pipe, which we had the other day that they called off that Gabe wouldn't excel in that. That's what they're saying. Because their, their alternative is we want ruler edge pipe for Gabe to do well. We're not going to get ruler edge pipe. What it looks like we're going to get is... I think is, what he, they're saying is that those conditions would have been the most challenging for Gabby. I disagree. Because what it looks like we're going to get is back running, running back door. Yeah, I agree with that. Which Dusty will smoke Gabe at. I, I agree with that no too. And it could, my concern is that if they try to run it Thursday afternoon when it's just rising yeah. and it's got more west in it and it's ruler, it's you know relatively perfect, it's supposed to start out three to five on Thursday yeah. and maybe get six to eight by, say, two o'clock. Right. So if, and I can't imagine the ASP is going to turn on the event at two o'clock you know, on Thursday. Yeah, they might. They they have to kind of because they need a day and a half. So they could get half a day in on late Thursday. But they can only surf till like four, right? Right, that's true. So they get two two hours in. Gabby's in like heat six. Right. So it'd be borderline. Right. Um, but either way, you're right. Especially Friday as the swell moves more north. As the, right. Um, you're looking at big back door on Friday, which doesn't help Gabby's cause. I would agree and with Dusty's you. Dusty's excels there. That's Dusty's well, playground. And now I'm getting out of the shoes of the, sure. of the, uh, you know, the conspiracy theorist. And I would agree with you that, you know, you're looking at pretty massive uh, North swell on Friday. That's going to be interesting. Here's my other question for the conspiracy theorist, uh, which you can slip back into those shoes if you want. Sure. Um, that's also assuming they said, uh, that the ASP, it's a perfect scenario for them to have Gabe win. I don't, I, I'm not convinced that a I mean, first I, Brazilian I, world title uh, is better than a 12th world title for the best athlete any sport has ever seen. Where yeah, you, you we know, can continue riding the, the wave of the greatest athlete ever. I think that's more marketable than well, a Brazilian see, world title. It's, it's more marketable to North America, perhaps. But the the fact that the very first ever South American world champion uh, is now in our midst, and we're talking about a marketplace, the, the Brazilian surf industry, the Brazilian marketplace in general is huge. Like Gabby is like Tiger Woods. Yeah. As far as popularity and what he can do. And so it's going to be good for the ASP because because. You could argue that look, the ASP already has Kelly. We, we've already done that story. We, you know, we've milked the crap out of Kelly and his eleven world titles, and we still have him, by the way, and he's still a part of this storyline. He, in fact, he's the guy that lost 
to, to our new guy, Gabby. And so um, now we've got, you know, this incredible, oh, by the way, we being the ASP, we can't wait to, you know, kind of ramp up our gears back down in South America. And, and we're going to ride this young new, you know, this guy is, he's the Kelly Slater moving forward. And it's time for uh, the title to change. Yeah, I think that's assuming a lot of variables. Well, yeah, and, this whole, and, any conspiracy of, theory does. Of you course. Know? But I think this more than any, it's like, it's assuming that that storyline has more value than Mick's storyline and the importance does, of I, the marketplace I would in Australia. Argue it does. I, well, I would argue it does. But look at how strong of a market Australia is with a stronger economy as well that can actually buy the, the products. There's, I think there, I don't know the ifs and the ands and the buts of the economy. But you understand But I'm where, saying that the Mick's storyline's played out already. We hmm. did it three times. We did it last year. I know, but what uh, the Kelly storyline, we still have that stuff as me being the ASP. We can still hang our hats on that. And now we've got a third crown yeah. so to speak well jewel in the crown i'm just saying it's not black and white no and of course not like, and so these things all these have guys value. Are, it, the whole thing's actually ridiculous it is because you know, but, but it's fun to talk about it well ad- additionally it's assuming that the asp is some puppeteer that is trying to sway things they, which i'm not con- right now they can't are, even they, make, are they, they smart enough to they can't even make an appropriate do, call to run an event or no, not the call i don't think they is can a part of the conspiracy my friend the call is a part of the conspiracy i'm just saying i don't think that they're sophisticated enough and there's there have to be a lot of people turning a blind eye. I just doesn't. It's make like some any Illuminati thing. Like there's these people, Dude. puppeteers in the background, the Wizard of Oz, and they're making all these moves, and everyone's agreeing with them, and no one's talking about it. It's all secretive. And they're ultimately going to hand it to Dusty a back door tomorrow, where he's going to get there's, nines and tens against. Gabby. By the way, I found this conspiracy theory on a thread on a message board that was all about. Dusty kicking Gab, Gabby's, uh, Gabby's ass in yeah. this next heat. So there's a lot of people that are on the Dusty Payne bandwagon right now. Dude, he can't lose. He's looking so good. Uh, don't jinx it. No, nope, he not cannot jin- you're lose. You're trying to jinx it right no, now, dude. You? As long jinxer. as he's got that beard, he's good. Oh, no. Now what if he shaved? He's He won't, trust me. Here, I got one more question about round two. There's more to get into with um, triple crown implications for Dusty and all that stuff, but round two. Wait, let me just say this. I found it so interesting that these guys referenced the Quicksilver Pro at Snapper Rocks, the very first event, and they posted a video of the final, and I actually watched the final today (laughs) to see if the conspiracy had any sort of validity or any kind of legs. And um, it was pretty interesting, you know, that you could argue that Parko should have won that heat. Well, he was surfing the way that you would want to see Snapper surfed, which is behind the rock. Yeah, yeah, just so deep and just getting sick pits. And like he on looked one, a little tired, though. Ones that were jacking up and he's like threading. So crazy. It was crazy, yeah. yeah. And Gabe did like he's 20 a turns. Wide. He just did 50, yeah. yeah. Okay, so round uh, two, heat six, Felipe versus Glenn Hall. Here's my question about <clears throat> that heat. Felipe did a full rotation backside air on his 6'7", he took off on a wave that was on the inside, didn't even attempt to get barreled, just like sets it up, sets it up, and then boom, spins a big backside spin. Gets a 397. Glenn Hall out the back, takes off on maybe like a set sized wave, pulls in, gets smashed on a closeout, but gets like a proper pipe barrel and gets closed out. Gets a slightly higher score, he gets a 4.0. So 3.97 for the air, 4.0 for the closeout barrel. How do you feel about those scores? I feel fine about that. And I'll, as we discussed last time, um, you know, if if the judges give an aerial a high score, every single competitor is going to be like, oh, wow, 
I don't even have to get tubed here. Mm-hmm. I can go on the inside and do some crazy stuff. And so the judges are really making a statement there. Mm-hmm. They're basically saying, look, this isn't the place for that. Look, if you want to get a sick barrel, get spat out, we'll give you an eight and then you boost one. We might give you an eight, six or something, you know, right. that's fine. Right. But if you think you're going to be able to ride this wave without getting in the tube and getting a high score, I don't care how high, I don't care if you do a Superman and change your wetsuit in the middle of it, right. you're not going to get a high score for aerials. And it's, it, you know, and I know you know that it's as simple as that. It, this is a tube riding event. I feel the same way. Yeah. I was glad to see them make. Uh, give those scores out because I saw Gabe do that and I'm like holy crap that was incredible but I'm bummed that he took off on a wave on the inside like and I think the reason why he did that to Felipe's credit is we had just seen five heats go down where guys squeaked through with five point heat totals because everybody was just getting slammed on every single wave so Gabe made a decision or Felipe made a decision and he did that, but I still appreciate Glenn Hall sticking to his guns and trying to make one, even though he knew he couldn't, you know? Yeah. So enough of that. Um, I had, oh, about the bad call, what we're make, calling is the bad call with the end of round two. There's certainly it, a lot of social media buzz about it. Everyone seems to be, I would suggest to you that. Eighty percent of the social media feels like it was a, a bad call. Like there's a few well, people that are like going, you know, it's tough. You know, Beach Grit. I feel all, sorry for Karen. Beach Grit also did an interview with Jake Patterson. Oh, who, I'd be interested to know what he has to say. Well, he has won the Pipe Masters. He's also been a contest director for the Snapper event, so he's been in the position that Karen Perot is in. And he said it was a great call. He goes. He goes, there's... I, I find that hard to believe. Well, his argument was... That's company line. Maybe so. But Jake doesn't tow the company line. I know, but... Uh, or he tows it and then he gets on the other side of it. Yeah. Um, but his reasoning was, look, there was a window that afternoon that got really good. Nobody saw it coming. And even if we did... Run, I have a problem with that. Even if we did... Yes. They could only run so two what? or three heats before dark. So what? Run the heats. We're I feel the same up. way as you. We're ready to go. Or else run the heats. It's perfect out there. It's, it's you know it's it's insane. It's third reef, second reef pipe. If you remember the last event that he um, that he ran, uh, Jake Patterson ran. It was the Quicksilver Pro Snapper event in 2012, where there was a couple of good days that he took lay days on, and everybody was giving him crap for it. But then they ran the final on that Kira, right? at Kira, yeah. where Kelly dropped in on Parco yeah, and Parco gave him the, yeah. yeah, where it was the best Kira ever. So everybody was giving Patterson crap for those couple of days. But then when they called it on, it was better than the, the amazing days previous. So I think he's got that kind of in his back pocket that he's thinking we might finish with good waves at backdoor. And that's kind of why he made the, you know, backed up Kira in the way that he did. Yeah. What's interesting, though, is that Kieran Perot will charge pipe at its gnarliest. So it's like if Kieran well, was a, con- a competitor, he would have wanted to go out there in those conditions. And you got to understand, it's not just Kieran either. Like no, Kieran's no, no. the spokesperson, right. but Kieran's sitting there with Marty Thomas, and they're sitting there with probably one of the surfer reps. I don't know who. Mm-hmm. And they're probably also sitting there with somebody at Billabong. And then there's, you know, Marty's probably got 15 guys on his phone just texting him going, dude, yeah. you know, yay or nay or whatever. And, and um, although at the end of the day, I mean, the buck does stop with Kieran Perot, and but it's sort of a committee thing. Right. Well, moving forward, if Gabe gets through this round through heat against Dusty, he eliminates Kelly from the event and Fanning would need to uh, win the event if Gabriel continued on and then lost. I think Gabriel has to lose ninth in order for Fanning to actually clinch the world title with a win. Um, but 
the forecast, Scott and I broke it down. We're going to see probably backdoor, but we also need sand to move off the reef. There's a lot of sand and that's kind of shut it down. The wind forecast is problematic as well. So we're dealing with sand on the reef and wind in the forecast because there's been plenty of swell. Well, um, I was on Surfline this morning and their forecast had updated to very good, not just good, but very good on on Friday. For Friday. For Friday, it went to very good, 8 to 12 feet, um, basically west-northwest moving north. Okay. Which is backdoor. Yeah, there could be some lefts, you yeah. know, it just depends. There'll be some sets. The west is pipe. Yeah. Yeah. So, but again, we need a day and a half to run the event. Well, I, then I see them finishing, unfortunately, on Saturday, which is going to fade really fast. I disagree. So I think what they'll try to do is finish in optimal conditions. So I have a feeling they'll probably try to run half a day Thursday. That, that sucks for those of us that don't want Gabby to win the world title. I have a big problem with that because Thursday... Of course, we'll all find out more tomorrow how fast the swell is going to get there and stuff. Yeah. But they're saying three to five tomorrow. Yeah. Three, you want to hold round three and three to five. I don't four, want to. I know, but no, but that's what you're saying. But if if you want them to end in optimal conditions. What, what happens on Saturday? I would Saturday? rather have these crucial heats go down in the most crucial conditions and then let the finals play out as they do. I, I would too. What's the forecast look like on Saturday? Saturday looks better than Thursday. Saturday is oh, okay. basically Friday, but smaller. Okay, then let's do that. But So you're looking at like what they're saying, like four to six with eight foot sets okay. on Saturday. All right, call Pretty Kieran. small. Call Kieran right now. Let me call him. Let's, let's make this make, happen, dude. It's been decided. Calls. Okay. Um, so a couple of other things I'd like to discuss. Jordy jacked his shoulder on the only right ridden in round two. Um, bad. He's injured. Out for the rest of the, well, the, the event. He lost the heat anyways against Dusty. The other thing that's worth noting was Eretz Aaron Beru's rescue. Yeah, Did you rad. see that? Yeah, yeah, that was right. Holy crap. <laughs> Arids broke his board and he's on the inside about to get smashed. The rescue team swoops in. He's got his broken board on the leash, which is attached to his leg. So the rescue team swoops in as a wave is approaching and the wave is it's approaching jacking. quickly and it's, it's going to break it's the sandbar. Yeah. yeah, it's not like rolling in. It's going to break yeah. right there. And they barely slow down. I mean, it looked like they almost hit Arids because it's headed straight at him. They navigate just a foot to the right. So they're just coming up next to him, barely slow down at all. The guy, the rescue guy on the sled reaches down, pulls Eretz onto the sled in one motion and then gun it. As soon as he's on the sled, gun it. And the wave is breaking right behind him. And it actually picks up his broken board and throws it down what looks like on him and the sled. So close that they actually get engulfed in the whitewash. The, you could see the driver, but the sled with Eretz and the rescue guy covered. are covered in whitewash. And the board looks like it breaks right on top of him. There was thankfully enough turbulence that it didn't actually hit him. But while you're viewing it, it looks like it's going to hit him. And then they, two or three seconds later, emerge in front of it fully fine. But it was the raddest rescue I've seen in a long time. Well, speaking of rescues, um, I'm sure you've seen the Nazare. Nazare. Nazare? Nazare. I was, I was all proud of myself that I put the accent on the last syllable. Dude, I gave Nazare. you the... No, you... I phonetically spelled Nazare. it out for you. And then you phonetically spelled it wrong somehow. <laughs> it's Naz. Naz? Naz. Ure. Nazare. Nazare. Anyway, Nazare was massive. As big as it's ever oh, yeah. been. Yeah. 100 feet plus. I, I've got to... I've got to think that, that there was world record shattered. I don't know if... 
Garrett wants that to be acknowledged or if anyone's doing any politicking or lobbying to make that happen with the Guinness Book of World Records or whatever. But those ways were way bigger than what Garrett wrote. Oh, yeah. Who was out there? Um, I've got Benjamin Sanchez, Garrett McNamara, Andrew Cotton, um, a couple of other local guys like a Hugo Val or something like that. So Garrett was out there, but oh, yeah, he wasn't Garrett on was any there. of the contenders, you don't think? Yeah, the Red Bull uh, website's got some cool stuff. Um, the, the wave that I saw that was pretty awesome was the one Benjamin Sanchez caught, which mm. was just, it was it had to be 150 feet or what? You know, I mean, I don't know. I, I, but it was huge. 150 no, feet. No, I don't know. I, I, it's, you know, it gets that big where it's just like, I don't know. It's, you know, it's like, yeah. you don't know how big it is. It's like pornography. You know, when you see it, it was just huge. You know huh. what I mean? I don't know that analogy. Is that a saying? Yeah, that's the um, Supreme Court, um, the, the famous Supreme Court ruling when they wrote about um, pornography and free speech. And they said, look, we don't really know how to define it, but we know it when we see it. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that's out there. It's pretty crazy. Um, you know, is that really even a wave? Like, it's hard for me to even, it's not, I mean, it's a wave. Is it a surf spot? Is it, is when, when Nazare breaks, is it just an event? What is it? It's like, it's such an anomaly, that spot. It's not anything really. It's such really a ex- soft wave is the criticism. It's, it's, but it's not like, it's extremely well, menacing. I mean, it doesn't break top to bottom. It's this, it's the slopey. Right, roly poly thing, but, not but 100, 150 feet of soft roly poly. Yeah, it's pretty gnarly. You know? Yeah, it's a tremendous it's, amount it's, of water moving, no matter what. But it's not like as um, it's like it's like snowboarding at Mammoth on the Acornis or something. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure how to define it. I'll tell you what though, uh, as I saw those posts about Nazare, I Nazare? never I never clicked on one of them. I saw it's how boring, isn't it? I saw how crazy it looked. I'm like, oh my god, those waves are huge. Scrolling on, oh, what's this tw- top twenty list from BuzzFeed about funny looking cats? Well, that's so interesting that you brought that up because that's a great segue into Punta Galileo, the big wave world tour event that they had. Nick Lamb won the event. Congratulations to Nick Lamb. Unwatchable. It, it, I tried to watch it, and mm-hmm. it's just not. It's relative to what we're going to get in the next couple of days at Pipeline, or even at the Quicksilver Snap. Any of these other w uh, world tour events these big wave world at least this particular big wave world tour event it's just they need to rethink the production quality they either need cameras in the water or they need something because it's just these guys on these big roly-poly waves and it's just not exciting and they barely do bottom turns and they just kind of bounce along yeah and then kick out and raise their hands and it's like it's kind of embarrassing actually i think Hmm. and look i want you know, I want the big wave world tour to succeed. My gut is just like yours with Nazare is that no, thanks. You know, I tried, but I'm just, I don't have eight hours to invest in these guys not really doing anything. Yeah. Or at least, at least anything of that's exciting. Now, is it difficult? I know it's very hard. Could I right. do it? No, I couldn't do it. Of course. Yeah. Is it in, are these guys incredible athletes? Yes. But at the end of the day, you can't package it into a, an interesting webcast. It's right. just not doable, at least this particular event and some of the other ones I've seen. It's just boring. So my podcast episode last week was with Gary Linden, right? Yeah. And we were talking a bit about that and he was hyping it up because it was right before they called that event on and he was getting phone calls and stuff while we were, um, while we were doing the interview. But I mean, I didn't want to insult him, you know, by saying these things, but I kind of, tried to probe him a little bit about it 
and he was so passionate about it that it made me excited. Like I got hyped on it and then the event happened and I kind of felt the same way as you. Where it's like Nick Lamb's winning wave, he made a gnarly drop on that left. I thought that drop was the coolest thing I've seen in big wave surfing for a while, but even still, I didn't watch it more than once. For the listeners, Scott Bass is rolling his eyes and shaking his head like, no, it wasn't that exciting. I'm just, it wasn't. I mean, yeah. you know, I just, and, and the thing is, and you know, I love Gary. He's a great guy and oh, yeah. I know he's very passionate. And I'm, I'm, again, I'm not here to tear down Peter Mel or any of these guys. I'm just saying from my own opinion, my, you know, subjective viewpoint, it was just, it's not a very watchable product. And they can change it. They you know, maybe there's some, but you got to figure that you know it's probably you know the the sort of like you know the redheaded stepchild of the ASP's vision. You know they just sort of bought it up because they had to. Yeah. And and they're probably not putting a lot of energy into it. And yeah. they probably should. It's kind of like either do it right or don't do it at all. And I think they need more skis in the water. They, need, I mean, those waves are going to look a lot bigger if the guy's on a ski and he's looking up at it. Yeah. Whereas they're up on some cliff, looking down on it. And guys are just bouncing, you know, and barely doing bottom turns and just right. doing these like, it's just, yeah. it's just, well, when, and, and again, I know it's exciting for Gary. He's probably got a little bit of fog in his glasses. He's amped, you know, he's a big wave guy. He's looking at the storm. He's going to be in it. And I can see why he's excited about it. I'm, I'm sure it's exciting to participate. Me, my wife, yeah. you, your wife, the viewing public, if we're trying to, because the thing is about big wave surfing is it's like, hey, this is what we can do to market our sport to the world. Mm-hmm. You know, this is what's going to get Joe Blow that doesn't give a crap about snapper rocks and aerials or whatever to actually watch what we do and to watch our package and to see what we, that we're the ASP. We can do it with this big wave because everyone loves big waves, right? right. And, and so then this is what you get. This is what you're going to provide me. You know, and it's like, no, you know, really what they have is they have the double XL awards, which is awesome. Yeah. That's going to be that vehicle for Joe Blow in Idaho to go. Yeah. Did you see those guys riding those big waves? I mean, even Nazare. 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 Right. That gets tons of coverage. Garrett and Red Bull, those guys do a great job. Of, they've got a huge PR machine that just spins that stuff out there. And before you know it, Garrett's on CNN and the whole world's captivated. And that whole surf session took you know, maybe half a day. Right. And these guys are investing four days into a big wave or two days into a big wave world tour thing. And it's just, it just doesn't compare. Well, it's just that's not even compare to this boiled down double XL video package that you can send around the world. And or, it's insane. Or to your earlier point, it doesn't compare to this pipe masters that we've spent 50 minutes discussing, you know, like the pipe thing is so much more exciting. It's a, it's a hundred on the scale in terms of excitement. And then the uh, Punta Galea event is like, by comparison, a four, you know? It's like, if there was no pipe event, yes, maybe I would watch that for a little bit, but it's just so exciting with like, you can decipher the difference between Kelly style and John John style and Gabriel style. Where in the big wave surfing, it's like, if a guy took off on a wave, I can't tell if it's Nick Lamb or Pat Godowskis or... Um, Greg Long you know what I mean there's not enough differentiation it kind of feels like um, it also kind of feels like where old pro surfers go to die you know what I mean it's like it's it's like okay well you didn't make it on the tour so we've got this thing 
I don't think that's it's true. Like, I think it's kind of got the seniors tour vibe to it. I disagree. Let's go I watch think Arnold Palmer. There's guys who are fully committed to that. I'm not from, doubting that. I'm not here to take away anything from what these guys are doing. No, their of commitment, not. their no. love for the sport. I know it's difficult what they do. I'm just saying from a package, you know, what are we, why did we buy the big wave world tour for yeah. the ASP? What, what's the purpose here? Well, you know? interestingly, we've talked about big wave a lot and we always have kind of this same opinion. I'm, I don't get a lot of feedback through email or anything else of what listeners think about the big wave world tour. Like, do people like it? Are we, are, is our opinion the consensus or I, think, I haven't heard anything. I think though. a boiled down version of it's going to be exciting. If you know, here's the thing. I guess it depends on the location. Like Mavericks is pretty damn interesting for whatever reason. You're so Californian, dude. Well, so, and, and, and I think Piahi would, is going to be yeah. interesting, you know, and I think Waimea Bay is interesting, you know, um, I okay. don't know. I got segue. Um, we don't have to spend a ton of time on it, but did you watch the Surfer Poll Awards? I watched the boiled down. I watched Noah Dean. Okay, <laughs> you did. I Dude, watched the Noah me, Dean part. Before we get into Noah, we talked about Surfer Poll last year on an episode and spent quite a bit of time on it. It's lost some of its luster. Dude, it is boring as crap. And I was going to stay up in California to watch it, which is pretty late watch the live thing and then I didn't make it and I watched a movie instead and fell asleep and then I woke up the next day and they rebroadcast the whole thing you could watch it on YouTube so I did it I was so glad that I didn't stay up the night before it was such a waste of three hours it's unbelievable the production quality freaking blows like in between people walking on stage there's these like 15 second dead air you know with no transitional music and like awkwardness and then uh, Jerry Lopez was hosting and he's a pretty low energy dude. <laughs> it was just like, it was kind of a nightmare to watch. Uh, that's my opinion on it. We don't have to break down. The most important thing is that Kelly Slater got dethroned from the first position to second. John John Florence took the first position. Tell me about Noah Dean. Well, uh, let me back up and say it's sort of fitting that Kelly, you know, sort of handed over the throne to John John, um, you know, while we witnessed probably, you know, the worst production quality of a surfer Paul ever. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like Kelly's like going, dude, I don't really want to be a part of this anymore. You know yeah. what I mean? Like here, you know, it, it lost its luster. And it's unfortunate. I think it's a case of sort of the lunatics running the asylum, you yeah. know. Um, but I, surfer- I think if they hired a professional production crew to put together a script and to really make that thing, you know, worthy again right i think that they run it on bones and they just go dude we're in hawaii there's everyone get together and it'll be cool and we'll have fun and you know here's a script and you know don't worry you know and it just turns out it it, you know it's kind of like you get what you put into it you know and it doesn't seem like they put too much effort into it the funny thing is surfer i think is really professional in all of their other things that they do their website's clean it always looks good their their magazine the print mag is always you know um refined kind of by comparison to surfing magazine let's say well that's probably part of the problem here is that we are used to such a high level from surfer that when you see this thing on tv on the web the surfer pole awards and you're just kind of going god it doesn't really measure up to what my expectation is as Mm -hmm. far as quality of production right and it seems like if you look at the credits anyways they've got some of the guys from the magazine actually working on the event itself rather than hiring in an outside crew and then them just part being uh, guests of their event, you know? But, yeah. So what happened was Strange Rumblings in Shangri-La was a Globe film, which I've recommended on this show wholeheartedly, and I still stand by it. It's a great film. They won Movie of the Year. 
surf video of the year. So the whole crew from Strange Rumblings goes up on stage and seems like they've been partying quite a bit. And uh, Joe G, the director, I thought was trying to hold it together and be pretty articulate. And he's a pretty savvy dude. I, I actually like him a lot. Pretty smart, pretty, he didn't seem like he had had a drink that night. He was trying to accept the award graciously, and then some of the pro surfers got on the mic and chimed in, the first of which was Dion Aegeus, who's wearing sunglasses indoors at night, and is like, bro, I've been on Xanax the last time I was up here, and I was just mumbling, and I don't know, so this time I'm going to try to, you know, but basically uh, openly said that he uses Xanax as recreational usage, and then Noah Dean got on the mic afterwards, and what did he have to say? He he said F the WSL, right? He just grabbed the mic said, and just said F the WSL. F the WSL, which is, you know, it's unfortunate. You know, it it's so sophomoric that you can just kind of chuckle it off. Yeah. And, and let me just say that, um, you know, I worked at Surfer Magazine for nine years and I was a part of the Surfer Pole Awards f- for those nine years. And, um, and believe me, there's... At every one, I mean, one of the worst ones ever was Bruce Irons, just completely hammered off his rocker. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Like maybe 2003 or something like that. Like you slurring know? his yeah, speech. Yeah, just like, so bad, yeah. you know. And I think he won Breakthrough Performer of the Year that year or whatever. He was, but he was on stage numerous times is what I'm saying. Right. You know? And I mean, you know, you get 20-year-old rich you know, you know, guys with money, 20 year old, beautiful women, and this is their night to party. And it's kind of marketed that way. And they go out and they party, you know, and Lord knows I've been in that position. You know, I've been 20 years old and drunk before and saying stupid shit. And unfortunately, probably we all have. Thankfully, it wasn't broadcast. Right, exactly. And that's, that's the difference here, you know, is that, um, so a lot of people and myself included are sort of just kind of going, whatever, you know, water under the bridge. He made a mistake. He apologized. I think he went on stab or tracks or something. And no, both Dion and Noah Dean apologized on Instagram. Oh, okay. And then all the other media, on, all the other media, right. yeah, pulled it and just posted it. But Dion also said, look, the reason why I was on Xanax the last time was because I had high I have, anxiety. <laughs> yeah, I have public speaking fears. And so I took it to quell my anxiety before going on stage. I understand that drug I'm abuse calm, is a I'm blah, blah, blah. Bullshit on that. Yeah, but whatever. You know, they both apologized. And a lot Some of people. Some PR guy goes, This is what you're going to say. Oh, for say. sure. The Globe PR guys, you <laughs> no, know? And so, and Noah Dean, his was more to the point of just like, Dude, I just got caught up in the moment. I'm a 20 year old kid. And I think people understand that a little bit more. And there's even, even to move it along further. There's those that are quote unquote anti-establishment oh, that, yeah, are, totally. that are like, you know what? This is what surfers are. We've right. always been this way. And um, whether we want to break that mold or that paradigm, you know, that's not up to me. That's up to, I guess, whoever, you know, the culture in general. I, you know, it's it's easy to get, as we mature and get older to kind of go, that's lame, you know. But I, you know, there's part of part of us that they go, you know, it's kind of funny and it's kind of it's kind of appropriate and it's a little spicolish, but do we really want to shed that completely? Do we really no. want to be corporate, dressed up, khaki wearing golfers? You right. know? No, I don't think we do. I think we kind of half appreciate the fact that, and plus it's fun to talk about it. Well, I watched it and I wasn't really that offended by it. Um, I don't, it was just kind of like, oh, whatever. But I did, I did feel as though Globe would be a little bothered by it. Like, that's not the way that Globe's company image is. That's not the way that they've managed their image. So I could see maybe Lost Surfboards being okay with their 
team riders acting like that, and they might even promote it because that's part of their branding. But Globe, I think, was a little bit bummed probably and might have been the ones behind those apologies. Is Globe even a company? Like, are they still Globe's around? huge. I In Australia, Globe. they're big, right? Yeah. But do, they, do they have, like, shoes and stuff here? Absolutely. Wow. They have head-to-toe team riders, dude, with, like, clothing Ooh. and everything. Dion Aegeus, for one. All right. Um, so, at any rate... Um, they have to compete against Vans and against Reef and against... Yeah. What are the other big shoe companies? Yeah, those. That must be... And <laughs> Globe. So they're like number three in market share in the US or something? Maybe. I don't uh, really see any Globe stuff around. I used to see it a lot. Don't get yeah. me wrong. I, I, they were... You know, when they had Aki and uh, I think they had Luke Egan maybe and they had... Um, what's her name? Uh, who's the... Lane Beachley, I think, or yeah, I don't they know. were. It seems like they were used to be bigger. Like yeah. I don't see a whole lot of globe around now. Maybe they're more skate, you know. And yeah, that's they're why definitely I, big. In that's skate. probably why I don't see a lot of it. In and the they've surf. got their surf teams. Like it is mainly non-Americans. I mean, Damo Hobgood is the main American on their team, but it's Brendan Gibbets from South Africa, Creed Metaggart from Australia, Noah Dean's Australian. Um, yeah, it's, I thought it's a little heavier, more Australian. Yeah, it is. Know? It is. So. Let me bounce to the Triple Crown real quickly, give you guys the updates on that. It's basically Dusty Payne versus Michelle Perez versus uh, Julian Wilson. Dusty Payne, if he loses round three, Michelle would need to win or would need to final, and Julian would need to win to clinch it. Otherwise, it looks like Dusty's going to win the thing. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. Um, Like I said, I think everybody that's, that's, you know, pro-North American, pro-Hawaiian, you know, winning a world title, uh, Kelly Slater, pro Kelly Slater people, which is a lot, are really on the Dusty Payne bandwagon right now. Absolutely, so, any requalified for tour. I don't know if we. I think that's that really cool. Yeah, I think that's really cool. Yeah. So, do you have any um, any other topics, or are we yeah. going must see moments? Or um, I wanted to say that you know the East Coast was on fire last week. The entire uh, coastline of Florida was pumping. And um, relative to what we see in Hawaii and even here recently, it's not, you know, you know, the most newsworthy thing. But it should be noted that even like down in Palm Beach and Miami, South Beach area, the waves have been really good for Mm -hmm. there. It was like, uh, you know, this is the winner of all winners. You know, it's been pretty insane down there. I saw. And I think we should make note of that, that those guys are scoring. Florida scored last week, like December 11th, 12th, right around in there. And um, and then, of course, because of that, Puerto, Puerto Rico mm-hmm. was pumping. So the East Coast has been getting good waves. And um, and of course, that energy, all of that, all of that stuff is what was hitting Europe and hitting Ireland and hitting Nazareth. Nazareth. And, and that all feeds down to um, the most epic right-hand spots in, in uh, Africa, which is Morocco. Mm. And have, so they've been getting good waves over there. Uh, Morocco's insane. No, but like, have we seen anything from this no, swamp? No, I'm sure you will. You know, oh, okay. I'm sure if you looked around, or you'll see some stuff. There's so much swell on both um, the Atlantic and the Pacific that it just seems like there's just tons of energy in the right. water. You know, and so there's just so much happening that you know it seemed like last year the Atlantic was really firing. There wasn't a big winter here on the on the West Coast, and so you saw a lot of stuff from Morocco and a lot of stuff from Europe and. Yeah, um, you said you've been surfing a lot. Yeah, anything you can chat about or just actually, yeah. You know what? Foot? I I had one of the most incredible sessions on Friday that day that it was rainy and big. It turned offshore. I went down to my spot. There was not a soul out. It's usually very very crowded. I was the only guy in the parking lot. Raining. 
The wind had just sort of quartered offshore, so it was cleaning up, paddled out six to eight feet with 10-foot sets, you know, macking offshore, like really solid, powerful swell all by myself in the year 2014. It was crazy. It was in insane. Southern California, by It the was way. incredible. Crazy. What were you riding? I was riding a 6.6 Bing that Matt Calvani made me, a, wow. a four-fin rounded pin. Nice. It's got a lot of volume. It's the same board I rode on that big day last year at Swami's. Oh, where you got your cover shot? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, cover everybody, of the Inertia article. Everybody's been getting big waves. Yeah. Uh, in San Diego, has been really good. Yeah. So I know like down in La Jolla, at the La Jolla Reefs, those guys have been scoring. Uh, it's just been really good in San Diego. Yeah. It's been you know, I'm, I'm kind of surfed out and my back is bothering me. I've been surfing. Good so. for you, man. Yeah. Um, you, How about you? You let me borrow that. Oh, Tomo yeah. How'd that go? Twin fin kind of thing. Yeah. I don't know. It took me a while to figure that thing yeah. out, dude. Yeah. I, I really didn't like it, actually. Yeah. It's, a, it's, like it's too much rocker or something. Like it, it I don't you know. Need, you need to spend some time on it for okay. sure. And it might not be. You, you need a, a wave where you can kind of just like sit back on like at a beach break where you're like go and you're in and you're out and you're not getting like long rides yeah it might be more difficult to figure it out you right. know i've taken it down to barra and down to other parts of mainland on these long right hand points and it just it works so buttery and it's really good but it, i can see how there you know if you're not used to this big wide tail and these two fins it, it can be a little mm-hmm. you know difficult to, to kind of fine tune I got a few good waves on it, and it's all this swell. I'm up in North Orange County, Huntington Beach area. All that swell's been hitting, but nothing is good. Like, there's no sandbars, really, and kind of funky high tides in the morning. So I I paddled out, and I got waves, but it wasn't probably the best test for the board, you know. But it's always fun to ride something new anyways. It it got me psyched to paddle out regardless. Yeah. Um, I got a— I see here the inertia is posting a story that you shed light on last year. I saw this and thank I went, you for acknowledging. I went, this. you know what? This is David Scales' story, and basically, I think today or yesterday they posted this thing that you know John John Florence is the son of Kelly Slater, and yes, I was like, they did. that's a rip off straight from our show. That's David's. You know, you caught that moment on video where John John calls Kelly Slater dad. Yep, and there's a look on Kelly Slater like, dude, you're not supposed to let the cat out of the bag. Exactly, and. Finally, I'm thinking the guys from the Inertia heard you talk about it, and they were just they picked up on it and wrote about it. Well, a user submitted the article. Well, that's so what the not, Inertia yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. Well, they do some. They do write a little bit of content, but yeah, uh, whoever that guy is might have been a listener. Um, thanks so, for listening. By thanks the way. for listening. So, just to give listeners the details because it is important. Kelly John John was born in what '92. Kelly was definitely surfing Pipeline at that time. John John's mom is hot. Kelly's a handsome looking fella. It makes perfect sense that they would end up together. They both have a penchant for pipeline. I think that must be hered- hereditary as well. Genetic. You know, it's gotta be, right? I, I think it might be, go so far as to say that John John was conceived on the reef at pipeline because how else would he have that magical power? <laughs> okay. Right? Well, I'm glad you're putting a little bit of uh, sort of tongue-in-cheek and fantasy into it because... No, I'm dead serious. You, Because I think it's kind of a gnarly thing to, like, you know, I don't know. It's, it's just, okay, you know what? Well, then David distance scared. yourself. I'll take it, <laughs> Yeah, dude. I'm going to distance myself. No, I'm owning it. Okay. And then in the Surfer Pole Awards this year, John John also made a little quip about a dad or something like that. So I think it's pretty much science at this point. Right, we just we need a test. Need, we need don't a, even need a DNA test. We don't, okay. It's practically proven. Okay. <laughs> um, so 
Also, I got a my kook last week or two weeks ago, last show that we did, kind of called out Alex Nost and Derek Disney on being kooks for getting hyper stylized when they're. Alex Nost pulled into the parking lot yesterday where I surf and uh, and uh, what well, the guy's a character. I'll tell well, you. Tell what. me, what did he do? It just seems like he's trying really hard to be cool. Okay, so that was my exact point. Was that this video that Ruka put out? He wasn't even making barrels in the video in perfect barreling waves. He was strictly just styling into them at the expense of not driving through the barrel. And so you can second yeah. that motion by yeah. seeing him in the parking lot. In what way? Give just, me an example. Like the, just his whole thing, you know, and maybe that's him. You know, maybe I just seem, you know what it, it seemed like it was tough to have to live up to this this um, persona that he's put out there. Like right. it just seemed like he was trying too hard. And I just looked and I was kind of sad for him. I'm like, God, it must be difficult to have to it, wake up and be this guy, like have to dress like, like he had like a, like a smoking jacket on, you know, right. this is like six in the morning, you know, and it's freezing cold and offshore. And he's wearing like this corduroy smoking jacket with, with um, elbow pads, like he's a professor or right. something. And he just got, got done this, teaching and he's driving this really crappy van that looked right. like it was really cold. Like maybe the heater didn't work or right. something. It's like, dude, I know you're making enough money to get a good car, at least get a truck or yeah. something, you know, and your parents are wealthy by the way. And and so, so it just, it just kind of seemed like, ah, it's, I, like I say, I felt kind of sad for him. Like, dude, just, you know what? Shake the whole trip off and just be yourself. You Here's know? the thing dude if if i like the way he serves though, oh, i love I, the way he's, and he's i know super he's a, talented. and i know he's a nice guy, yeah. guy. i'm not but here to like it's all affect that's the problem like it, yeah. you know and so that was my point with that the video was just an expression of it but i went and watched some movie he made freaking seven years ago some crappy black and white wannabe surf video at some theater in santa Ana, and he's doing his little intro at the beginning of it and he's like holding a beer all daintily and like stumbles up the stairs and like kind of tries to get a few sentences out, but like laughs, like full Jeff Spicoli. It's a caricature of Jeff Spicoli and then stumbles down the stairs in this, you know, phony fake stumble because you're drinking a beer right now. Like the whole thing seemed like a skit to me. It was embarrassing. But anyways, I, that was my kook last week. I got a, we got an email from Matt Shenning in NYC. He said, I love the show and it's actually gotten me interested in the world tour where I hadn't been before. I love hearing your insights into surfing culture as a whole, but I think you were very wrong about the Alex Nost thing. Whether or not he is styling out just for the cameras or not, doesn't really matter. The fact is that he is a great surfer who surfs like no one else out there. How many surfers surfers can you immediately pick out of their lineup from their surfing style? Barrels are rad, but they're not everything. Personally, I would like to see even more variety in style while everyone is pushing the boundaries of what surfing can be. Stoked in NYC. Thank you for your email, Matt. You are entitled to your opinion, but I've got the mic. (laughs) So I'm going to say, actually, barrels are everything. I think that that is the pinnacle and that matters more than anything. If you can implement style on top of it, I agree with you even better. Case in point. Here's my counterpoint. Uh, Marine Layer, Dane Reynolds' website, just released a bunch of videos, one of which is Mason Ho riding a single fin in Hawaii. And it's the raddest thing I've ever seen. It's with as much style and personality as Alex Nost, but making waves. And and just like, it's enjoyable to watch. I'm glad I spent three minutes watching it rather than feeling like I wasted my day. So that's my thought. I would have to say that Mason Ho is my duke Kanemoku of the week. I, I, I'm all about Mason Ho. There seems to be a real sincerity, a real genuine 
person there, a really cool guy, um, you know, a nice person. You know, you see him at the sunset event, the way he was interacting with the local kids. He seems like it's that's who he is, you know, like he's just that stoked guy. And of course, when you see him on waves, he's real spontaneous. He does rad. He's a great surfer. He's fun. You know, I'm, I'm all about the way he surfs. And uh, I'm going to put him up as my duke. Did you see my Instagram of him checking in for his heat with socks and shoes on? Yeah, yeah, on you're, the sand? you're salty on that. You no, know, it's hilarious. Yeah. I love it, actually, you yeah. know. But it's he's wearing white socks, like pulled up with tennis shoes. Because it's cold. In the sand at Pipeline <laughs> you know. wearing his jersey. That's what locals do. They're like, Dude, my, it's cold out here. <laughs> it's hilarious. I remember one time we were talking about um, Mason talking about his wave of the winter on Surfline. That was insane, yeah. And then I saw the guys from Lost at your boardroom show. And they're like, dude, we listened to that episode with Mason in the office the other day. I'm like, oh crap, dude. Did we say anything <laughs> too disparaging? And they're like, no, it was hilarious. Like you guys were spot on, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's kind of funny. Yeah. But um, I'll post this video of Mason riding this single fin in Hawaii. It's definitely worth watching. Um, I've got a Duke. My, let me scroll down. I'm sorry. My Duke is actually Mick Fanning. Did you see this article? Duke Kanemoku, Mick Fanning. Duke Kanemoku is Mick Fanning for rescuing Tyler Gunter who's a local Grom here in Southern California, Newport Beach Grom, who actually charges the wedge. Mm-hmm. Like he actually surfs some pretty big waves. Yeah. Story is on one of these big days at Pipeline, Tyler tries to paddle out and gets smashed, tries to paddle out two different times, gets smashed and forced back into the beach. It's like a third reef day. Finally on his third attempt is able to make it out, makes it out into the lineup just in time to wear a third reef set on the head. His leash breaks, snap, his leash breaks and he loses his board. So now Tyler's swimming out at 10 to 12 foot pipeline, oh God. trying to get to the channel in danger of drowning. Basically, Mick Fanning is out in the lineup, takes his leash off, hands Tyler his board and goes, hey, Grom, don't even try to catch a wave. Just paddle my board into safety, which Tyler is able to do. Mick Fanning now is risking his life by having to swim in, make his way to the channel at Pipeline. Ultimately, he does, makes it to the beach. Photographers are on the beach. They see Tyler with Mick's board. They're like, what the heck's going on? So they snap photos of Mick. He comes in, he makes it safely. Tyler gives Tyler a high five. Tyler gives Mick his board back. They both go in, rest up. 30 minutes later, they both paddle out in the lineup and share waves together. But they're saying, Mick Fanning is the people's champ, dude, giving up his board to that's Tyler cool. Gunter. I yeah. love that. That's a great story and um, good for Mick, man. That's cool. And good for Tyler for continuing to charge on. Yeah. That's the, good. The, uh, I wanted to say one quick thing I just remembered as yeah. you were talking. Um, uh, my session the other day when I was surfing by myself, about 45 minutes in, one other guy paddled out. His name was Ross. And and he and I introduced myself as you know because it was kind of like I was stoked to have another guy in the water really you know I was like cool you know two's good, and um, and I said hey I'm Scott and he goes oh are you Scott Bass and I go yeah and he goes hey I'm Ross I listen to your show blah blah nice blah. so one of our listeners joined me out there and it was just Ross and I for another probably another forty five minutes I'd say I had it an hour and a half by myself before you know two or four or six more people started to paddle out awesome thanks for listening Ross Ross yeah um, that. Mick Fanning's story was posted on Instagram by the photographer Trevor Moran. And then they stab picked it up and wrote an article. So I'll have the link to that piece on uh, surfsplendorpodcast.com. I wonder if that's uh, Mark Moran's son. 
I bet he did. He's a Central Coast. Oh, oh no, no, no. I San think Clooney he's, guy? No, 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 no. no. Oh. I think he's actually New Jersey, oh, okay. if I'm not mistaken. Um, I My must-see moment relates to my kook, actually. Must-see moment, Matt Warshaw, the Encyclopedia of Surfing, posted a video um, about the horrible ASP calls this year. He's calling this video, this is what you want, this is what you get. And he's showing the Margaret River event this year where it's like, this is what you want. And it shows videos of free surf sessions that took place at the box with getting perfectly shacked right across from the contest venue. And then this is what you get. And it shows Nathan Hedge cutting back on a mushy, crappy wave at Margaret River. Then cut to Portugal, guys getting perfect barrels down the beach from the event site. And then this is what you get, crappy beach break. And then of course, this pipe event as the the finishing segment of the video where this is what you want. And it's the free surf session that you and I were talking about after they called off round two and then showing clips of this is what you get with the guys getting smashed on shore, crappy waves. Yeah, I so saw that. That was a cool. Warshaw put job. it together in a little yeah. video. And so that's my must see moment. And then my kook is the ASP for their trialist policy, first of all, which I'm bitter about. And then their hashtag it's off call. <laughs> Well, um, my must-see moment is sort of self-serving, but I just put up a video on the YouTube, uh, on the Boardrooms channel on YouTube, and it's of Mark Richards talking about his uh, freeride-era Reno Abalera uh, single-fin guns that he rode specifically during um, that 75-76 er- uh, year season, uh, surfing Honolulu Bay and off the wall and pipe and stuff. And uh, it's, it's a cool little video clip of the interview I did with Mark Richards. Awesome. And that was, when did you do the interview? That was um, probably like 2006. Did you say it was for the Boardroom Show or it was for this no, podcast? It, it's it's on the Boardroom Show's YouTube right. channel. Right. And um, it was actually this down the line Surf Talk Radio interview I did with him maybe, what, six, uh, six or seven or eight years ago? Got it. We're going into uh, 2015 will be our 10th year on the air. We're, Crazy. We'll have a 10-year anniversary here. Crazy, dude. Yeah. Exciting. I'm excited to be a part of the legacy, man. Yeah. Guys like Mark Richards. Yeah. Really that's rad. Good stuff. Really rad, dude. Well, I think that's it, man. That is it. So, let's see. It's hello at surfsplendorpodcast.com. That's how you can get a hold of David. Hello at surfsplendorpodcast.com. And my email, surftalksandiego at gmail.com. And my Instagram is at boardroom show and my Twitter at boardroom surf. And David, that is it for me, man. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening, and more importantly, for sharing the show. That's the way this thing grows. We don't advertise. Yeah, share the show, and we're excited. I know David and I, and I know you guys are excited about uh, coming up here either tomorrow or Friday or Saturday. The whole World Title Showdown takes place. It's all coming to a head here, and uh, exciting times. Yep. So until next time, adios and aloha. Go Kelly. Also, go Mick. And of course, go Gabriel, too. I, everybody wins. We all win. It's an incredible showdown. And regardless of who wins, I'm just grateful to be a part of it and to soak it in every day. And I say go Kelly just because how often do we have a superhero in our midst? And 
Everybody's got to go away at some point, but let's milk this thing for as long as we can. So go Kelly. Gabriel's going to be around for a long time. That's great. He'll win world titles, and I'm going to be excited for it. But for now, go Kelly. All right? And thank you all for listening. As always, I hope everybody's scoring waves around the world. It's kind of cool. I've been in contact with people, um, listeners in the UK and Australia and Southeast Asia and Canada and like all over the world. People email and we get a, a banter going back and forth. And I've actually gotten to learn a little bit about some of these people. And so I, I'm grateful for your uh, listenership and for your feedback and just for being engaged and if i read your email on the air and take the opposing position it is all in good fun so thank you for chiming in and um, of course you can do all that stuff through our website surfsplendorpodcast.com where we have all past episodes of this show archived for free i think there's 65 past episodes there's also a music archive on our website so you can find Every song that's ever been played in an episode of Surf Splendor is archived. You can find them all on surfsplendorpodcast.com. I'm going to turn up this drum solo by Antonio Sanchez and let him play us out for today's show. All right? This is David Scales. Thanks for listening. 